Hello, everybody, and welcome. As we continue on in our Bible study on Matthew, in the book of Matthew, we, we hope to actually, uh, through over the next period of time, God willing and uh, permitting uh, to work through the New Testament together, but we're, we picked the book of Matthew and we'll start there. So, um, we have, uh, and we are in today, Matthew chapter 19, but we're just sort of talking about how we got there and what it looked like, and that in the book of Matthew, in context, um, we, we begin to see how the birth of Christ and then uh, working through, through his, uh, his baptism and then the temptation. And then we're up into Matthew 5 through 7 and we talked about the Sermon on the Mount and how that's really pivotal in, in uh, this whole process and that, that Jesus there teaches uh, what relationship with God is supposed to look like. And uh, he, he is undoing a lot of the teaching that had been prevalent by the Pharisees. And ultimately this sort of pits him against the Pharisees who uh, started well. We've talked about their history, that they had a good, uh, a good idea that uh, when they started a couple hundred years before Christ, which was to protect Judaism from being Hellenized. And that means from being um, taken over by the Greek culture. And so uh, they, they had stepped in. But in trying to protect it, what they had done was they had devised a whole series of rules to make it what they thought would be to keep it safe. And by the time Jesus came along, not only did you have the, the Big Ten, uh, you had another six or seven hundred that went along with it. And so, uh, and people couldn't get to God anymore. It was all about the rules and it wasn't about relationship. And Jesus comes and undoes it. And so uh, that part of the, the book is pivotal, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. To understanding all the rest of the book, you have to get what he's doing there and why he's doing it. And so, um, he, and he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And so... Um, he comes out of there and begins in Matthew 8 and following, uh, uh, sort of backing up what he said. And he proceeds to do signs and wonders. Um, uh, he had mentioned and said that, that the theme, the central theme of his message is that the kingdom is here. And he's teaching about the kingdom. And then he goes and demonstrates that indeed the kingdom of God has come upon us through the signs and wonders. And, and, um, and so these things are demonstrated for, for, for the entire book. But there's a lot of it going on in, in 8, 9, 10. And then we, we see the Pharisees choose not to accept Jesus as their king. He's presented himself as king, and he's backed it up with what he's done, but they've said, you're not the picture of the king that we want. We don't want you as our Messiah. And so they begin to plan how to get rid of him. And everything from there is sort of this trap the Pharisees are trying to set to justify why they want him out of the picture. And, and uh, basically they want him dead. All right, because he's, he's messed up the people that they've spent so long trying to get into their little mold. Okay? And so uh, we, we see the movement of Jesus sort of switch from trying to convince the, the leaders of Israel uh, that he is who he said he is to now sort of centering more in on the disciples themselves because he knows that the church is going to be in their hands and ultimately ours. And, and so his, uh, his teaching tactics change some. His ministry changes some in that... Uh, now it's less of, of backing up what he said. Now he's really moving out of compassion in these areas. We've seen him uh, feed people out of compassion twice uh, in, in the book. We, we see that we're, we're pretty confident in Matthew 16, uh, 15, 14, 15, 16, wherever the second feeding is, that those were probably Gentiles he was feeding, which was a huge thing um, because it was a, a foreshadowing of the ministry moving from the Jews to the Gentiles to include uh, us into the picture. And, and then uh, we've continued to see his work with the disciples. He said that the kingdom, they'd see it before 
some of them died, and we saw it manifest the transfiguration and, and of the, the neat group of people that was there in the process and all that that holds for us. Uh, last week we talked, or last two weeks ago, Matthew 18 has a lot to do with forgiveness and things that are lost being found and how important this whole idea of, of forgiveness is in the kingdom. So we're up to Matthew chapter 19. Let me read that for you. And uh, you can follow along, as I said, or I'd be happy to read it for you. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying these things, He left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed Him and He healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Him to test Him. What a shock. That's not in the book I added that. Sorry. I should do this when I, whenever I stray from the reading. They, never mind. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. And Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men, and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I just think that's funny. There's some, that's, never mind. Do you, some of you get that? Okay. It's good. See? Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what, I, I saw this cartoon one time. And the pastor was teaching on this. I'm, I'm in quotes now. Um, <laughs> just so you don't think I'm still reading. And, and uh, I've never seen that in Matthew before. And in this cartoon, the, the, the people are filing out of church and they're thanking the pastor. And the pastor just taught on this. And, and <laughs> apparently in the midst of the message, the pastor had yelled at some kids. <laughs> and they were in the cartoon, they were saying that probably wasn't the best time to to make that point while you were teaching on let the little children come unto me. (laughs) Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such of these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? 
And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, some pretty interesting topics in Matthew chapter 19. And ultimately, uh, the, the underlying theme of the, of the book is a discussion that's still sort of brought up today. Uh, and the disciples and, uh, and the Pharisees and everybody involved in this picture are talking about um, what greatness looks like. What does it mean to uh, live a great life? What, what is the, the goal or the prize? How do we, how do we get uh, this sort of life? And in, in 19 and 20, we, we won't do 20 today, but, but we'll, we'll talk about it. They're, they're presenting uh, sort of different paths to what they, they think the right way is going to be. And, and it starts in those first verses, the first 15 or so, talking about the way of the law. That this is the, the way that some people think is, is the right path. The, the, the way to greatness is by observing the law. Then, the, the next chunk of Scripture from 16 to 30 is about the, the way of being good. And, and that this is another concept that oftentimes people think is the right path and the way to greatness in life is, is you're, just, you're a good person. And then we'll, we'll look next week in Matthew chapter 20 and the first part of that talks about the way of works. All right? How, how to sort of working your way in. And none of them work. Um, but these are the concepts. And, and they're the concepts generally people fall into today when you get into discussion with them um, if they don't know Christ. And sometimes even if they do and haven't really worked this thing out with him all the way yet, um, they, they think that these are the ways to life. That, that either it's by observing the law or it's by doing, being good or it's by works. That you work your way in. And... Those streams of thought are undercurrents that are, are very common in a, lot of, in, in a lot of our lives. We have to look at them all the time about how they, they pop in there. So the Pharisees come to test Jesus, and they, they bring a hot topic. They, they ask about divorce. Um, it was a hot topic then uh, and, and has been uh, throughout. And part of the controversy that... See, that the thing is when they come to Jesus, they, they try and bring him something they think is unanswerable... So that no matter how he answers it, they've got him. Right? You'll see most of the questions they come with, they think can't be answered because they can't answer them. And so they're convinced that he's going to say something, and then they've got him one way or another. And so their questions are always loaded for bear. All right? And there's a controversy at the time recorded historically between two rabbis that were very prominent, two, two of the yokes we talked about of the, the rabbis back then. One was named Hillel, and the other was Shemai. And um, they had two opposite views on divorce. Hillel felt that a man could divorce his wife for almost any reason. And um, uh, Shammai thought that you couldn't divorce your wife unless she was guilty of a sexual offense. And so without getting involved in that controversy, Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. And see, this is so important. And, and so let's talk through it together. And, and then I want to tell you what, what the legalists do and... and how it always misses the, the, the issue 
in the process. What Jesus does is he responds by reminding the religious leaders of God's original purpose in establishing the marriage bond and connection. God made people male and female, and in marriage he joins them together in an inseparable bond. Um, This bond is a higher uh, calling than the parent-child relationship, uh, for a man is to leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife in a one-flesh relationship. And so it's highlighted there in the second chapter of the book, of Genesis. And, and it says, he goes on and says what God has joined together. Therefore, let not man separate. That word in the Greek is the word we get for divorce. There's something about the marriage relationship that bears the image of God. Male and female, he created them. In his image, he created them male and female. And one of the reasons that marriages come under such attack, I believe, is that because the union, the marriage union, reflects somehow at its core the image of God. The enemy who can't destroy God is always trying to destroy God's image. And so marriages come under tremendous attack all the time. And yet God uses marriage, and and hear this, because marriage is perhaps the ultimate way that we find out how selfish we really are. Now, because people get stuck here all the time. So, obviously, people have gotten divorced. And people here have gotten divorced. And people get all... Because there's a lot of things that happen. Let me tell you that those things happen because we live in a fallen world. And we, we have a forgiving God. And we get new starts and new beginnings. And so, um, you know, you, you don't need to feel less than because you've been through that process or in any way judged or anything else. Because it's, it's not the issue. We have to deal with what we have to deal with. In fact... Um, when, we, when they're talking about Moses telling guys to, they have to issue a certificate of divorce, um, it, it, was, it, it was done, it was God's response because we in our sinfulness don't live up all the time to the standard that God would have for us. But because God loves us and, and has tremendous grace for us, there, there, there's, there's new starts, there's forgiveness. So you need to hear that in those processes and in that life. Um, and, and primarily, you know, the... The difference needs to be is that we, we just can't give up on marriages because we're tired of them or because we want something different or because we, we just feel like it's, it's time, all right? Um, there, there are ways that the covenant in marriage gets broken severely, and that's, that's a whole different thing, all right? And so, so there's that. But, but culturally, we have this thing that impacts us in the church because culturally um, divorce is an option all the time. When I get tired of you, I'll just divorce you. And, and so if, if five years into it I've decided I had enough of you, we'll just get a divorce and off we go, all right? See, that's, that's not okay. So, so you have to know there's a difference. Well, what Jesus does is he responds to the heart of the error in legalism. See, because legalism always asks the wrong question. They don't ask, how can we restore broken relationships? Which, which brings such agony into marriage. Uh, how, how can we help people to be made whole and, and to be restored and to move through this process? What they asked is, is it, is it, is it right to permit it? And, and rather than care about the brokenness of people, they take refuge in, in legalism. And what they want is to set some rules around it so that there can be rules on how it works. And, and see, that's the, the struggle. And, and so it's... It, it, the, the problem is, we, we just can't 
it can't be an option because we're selfish. <laughs> and so we, we have to look all the time at what, what the bigger picture is and what's our part and what can we do. What's fascinating is how selfish we all are. The disciples hear Jesus say that, and you know what their response is? Well, then it's better not to get married. Do you get how selfish the response is? They're saying they don't even want to commit to somebody that fully. But that's us. See, the, the, it's a picture. And you'll see it in the next thing, too. We're, we're selfish. God knows it. He loves us. But we have to be aware of the fact that we're selfish. And, and so these issues come into play. And, and what is it in us? And, and is, it, is it our selfishness that's causing problems? Or, you know, or are we just being culturally caught up in, well, I'm just tired of it? But it, has to be, it has to be different than that because of what God has done and, and the image that's portrayed and the fact that, that uh, it's used in, in the coming of Christ for his bride. We have all these pictures of what marriage is supposed to be. But, you know, marriage is... is, is um, it's, it's, it's not easy for two people to become one flesh. It's a process. Um, marriage... And love are decisions. You know, we, we, love is, is more than a feeling and an emotion. Love is oftentimes a decision that we make because we know it's the right decision to make. Uh, it, it, it would, it's great when it's accompanied by emotion, but, but the two are separate issues. We get confused all the time culturally about what love is. Well, I'm not in love anymore. But that's because you're choosing not to be in love. You may not feel the emotion of love, but, but you, you get to choose whether or not you're in love or not. Uh, and we get it. No, it's a feeling. It's not a feeling. You know, uh, love in, in the marital relationship, let, let's put it this way. Uh, in, in the marital relationship, it's kind of like a, uh, think of it as like a big in-ground uh, in pool, all right? So let's say you have a, you, you know, I'm talking about a nice concrete pool, okay? Let's say that's a picture of, of marriage. So, so in, and everybody goes, okay, that's a nice picture. All right, so you got your pool. Now, a pool is at its finest when it's filled with water, right? And, and, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. Well, that's kind of like uh, the marriage when everything's really good and there's a lot of good feeling and a lot of good motion going on. See, it's what it's supposed to be. But, but if there's no water in the pool, it's still a pool, right? You, you might use it to skateboard in or something, but, but if you ask somebody what that was, it's a pool. It's not as much fun as when it's filled with water. It's still a pool. Well, see, marriage, and, and in the concept, the pool's full sometimes, and sometimes it's empty. It's still the deal. And just because it's empty doesn't mean that we just go, well, it's empty, I'm done. It means we, we get in in the brokenness and we try and dig through it. Having said all that, nobody needs to take any guilt from things that have happened before, so don't go there, okay? We live in a fallen world, a broken planet. None of us, none of us in the room have lived up to God's standards. And so, so no one needs to take it other than... We're in a new spot, and we got a new start, and this is how he wants it done. And we're going to try and do it step by step, day by day. So for those of you that are, have, have been through it or are going through it, no judgment, not being critical. It's it's unfortunate part of the fallen world. But our part is knowing this, is that this is the struggle, and we just can't give in to the culture and just go, well, I'm just done. And and, and sometimes we, we want to give in, and you can't. You, it, it's, it's what can we do? How can we move it back? How can we deal with brokenness how can we do with hurt how can we deal with the, the 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 sadness how can we do with what's happened what can we do to move into it and and so that's the ultimate idea the 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 way of the legalist is just always just to find out the rules so they can do the rules 
And it doesn't, it always, you watch the movement of the Pharisees, they never care about people's hearts. It's just give me some rules to follow. And, and that's ultimately the biggest thing. Fascinating to me is the response of the disciples. Well, then it's better not to get married. And Jesus has a look at him and he says, uh, you know, I, I'm sure Jesus does it with us all the time. Wow. <laughs> okay. Whoo. <laughs> I'm just sure it's just like that. He's got to look at him and go, oh, my. So, because he says to him, you know, there's some people that either are, are born so that they're, they're, they're not going to move in that direction or things have happened to them so it's not an issue. And there's some people, not many, who get that, that for, for them in, in what they need to do in the kingdom, it's better to not be married. But that's not the normal rule. And again, I believe, from the, you look at Genesis 2, God made us to be joined like that. And it's, it's the way that we learn, we learn more about ourselves in a, in a marriage relationship than in any other relationship. Ultimately because it points out your selfishness in ways that no other relationship does. Because just like the disciples, and don't, don't anybody be offended by this, we're all, I will include us, we are all selfish at some level in our lives. we all got selfish spots. Everybody here does. That's the sin nature that we're battling against. But it pops its head up in all sorts of ways. And it happens with the disciples all the time. And so don't think that we, we've come past them. You know, sometimes we, we can even be selfish in, in, in never getting our own way and just sort of we get a martyr thing, you know. Uh, we, can, we, can also, we can do all sorts of stuff. And it's still selfish because somehow we're, well, I'm the one that always takes it. And we, we selfishly get something out of that. It's not. We're a mess. You figured that out yet? Uh, you know, it's, it, to me, when every time I figure out how, what a mess we are, it, it just makes the love of God even more amazing. Because he loves us. And you think, wow, wow, that's crazy. Um, but he loves us. Then uh, he draws the little children around him again. And... and uh, um, let the children come to me because the disciples are getting mad at all the kids coming up. And, and again, Jesus is like, yeah, no, bring the kids to me. And he prays for them. It's significant because in, in Mosaic law, the, the Israelites became children of God at 12. At that point, they were responsible for the law uh, under, under Mosaic law. For, for They were responsible at 12. Um, these were little children coming to him. It's another picture of the fact that, that uh, God just wants... It, they don't have to be part of the... Under the law to get to Christ. All right? It's another, another picture of what's happening. Uh, and what he wants is not legalists, but people in personal relationship with Jesus. I talk way too long sometimes. I'm sorry. Matthew 19, verse 16 through 30. I want to get through this. It won't take long. Um, this talks about the way of goodness. And, and the way of goodness is basically... Um, I'm a good person. I, I don't do wrong things. I always try and do the right thing. Uh, I know what the Ten Commandments are, uh, and I try and live by them, although most people don't know what the Ten Commandments are. Um, and if we did a poll right now, most of you wouldn't get all ten. You'd get a half a dozen maybe. Um, I did it myself, to this, myself this morning. I only had seven down, and I, 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 still, I didn't look. Uh, I could think of seven, and then I got tired of thinking about it. Um, but he gives, he gives five through nine. Jesus gives five through nine. Uh, and the thing, he, he doesn't add in his thing 10, which is do not covet, but, but he, he gets murder and, and he gets false testament lying and he, he talks about honoring your parents and he talks about uh, uh, stealing and, um, and uh, did I get them all? Co- yeah, I said coveting. Right? 
I just read it to you. Anyway, I mean, we could look at the other ones. One's on the Sabbath, and one's not having idols before God, and, and all those things. But um, the deal is, he says to the, the man, he says, well, I've done all those things. He gives him a pretty good list. It's five through nine, he gives him. Uh, oh, I've got five through nine down. Probably not. So he gets him at the... He, so he says to him, what Jesus says to him, oh, okay, good. Yeah, you, you seem like a good person. Good is good. Of course, he said, you know, nobody's really good, right? He said that in the beginning. Why do you call me good? Or why, what's good? Nobody's good. Uh, because we're not. Um, but he says, okay, so here's the deal. You've got a lot of money. Go get rid of it and then come follow with me. Is there a problem with having money? Of course not. If you can have money and follow Christ, you're in, you're in good shape. That was not a thing about not having money. It was about his money was, was more important than God. That's the whole point of that story. And, and what Jesus was saying, you've got to get rid of anything in your life that's more important than God because it's, it's, that's your God. And the young man walked away sad. He couldn't get in. And the guys were shocked. And Jesus said it was hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven. And that just completely messed up the disciples because rich people were considered blessed. If you were rich, you were blessed. God blessed rich. That's how, that's how it was one of the signs. And Jesus said it's really hard. And then they said, well, if this kid, if this good kid with plenty of money can't get saved, how do we get saved? What's Jesus say? Well, with, with man, it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. See, it's, it's, it's only in Christ that we even have a shot because it's not possible. You can't, you can't be good enough. You'll never be good enough. Because you can't keep the ten, let alone the seven hundred the Pharisees had. Nobody here's kept ten. Ten. We could probably chop the list in half. You couldn't keep those. So um, you probably couldn't keep a list of one. You know, Adam and Eve couldn't do it, right? Didn't Adam and Eve have one? Don't eat from that tree. You would think you could do that, don't you? One tree. I can eat all the other trees. Everything else is good. No shame, we're running around having a great time here. No problems, nothing's wrong. One tree, no problem. I wonder how long it took. Do you ever think about that? You read it, it looks like it was all the next day or something. Well, there was a whole bunch of people outside the garden, so Adam and Eve, I think, didn't just bite into the tree. They had been doing stuff and, and populating the earth, I think, because the kids had to come from somewhere. But I don't know for sure. But, but I don't think it happened right away, but I think it got them. I think over time. You know, sometimes you got, they said, well, I wonder what, that one thing. So, so they, they had it worked up before the enemy got to them and said, did God really say that? Oh, yeah, God said that. That's because he knows he'd really like that. And he's, he's not good. Can you imagine? We fall for that same lie. All the stuff that God gives us is good, and we buy into all the time, oh, he's not good. Because he can't, we can't have this. We get stuck all the time. So, uh, the only way is Christ. We have to follow Him. All things are possible. Uh, salvation is found in Christ alone. Not by following the law. Not by being good. And not by works, as we will see next week. The disciples, again, I'll close. They said something funny here. Because when He says, this guy can't, he's not going to make it in. And what did the disciples say? How about us, man? We gave up everything. You see how they're always thinking about themselves in this world? Dude, we walked away from it all. And he's like, well, you're, you'll get it later. You'll get to hang out later. But now, the first will be last. And the last will be first. They had trouble getting that. So did all of us. But we'll pick into it more next week. If you're watching on the video, thanks for watching. And uh, um, they'll pray for you at the venue. I will... Uh, did we run out of time upstairs? No? I, uh, call me, email me, uh, whatever. We'll get to you. Write us if you need prayer. We're going to pray for the group here. So pass up your prayer request to me. I'll pray for you. And I will get you out of here.